Thank you for tuning in to Journey Church Podcast. We are so excited for you to join us for our sermon series, Daydreams, encouraging you to never stop chasing your God-given dream for your life. Enjoy. I got to tell you, I am absolutely uh, pumped up. I am on fire. I am amped. I don't know how else to say it. Uh, Excited, I guess, for what God is doing through this series. Um, I have been bombarded all week, text messages, phone calls, uh, DMs on my social media of people who, whose hope was lost, who thought their dream was dead, who thought that it was over for them, that God wasn't going to do anything special in their life, and they are starting for the first time to dream again. Come on, make some noise for you, for everybody who's been reaching out, people who are starting for the first time to dream again. I've got messages from people who are actually starting businesses because of this sermon series. People who are actually going back to college to start studying. People whose marriages they thought were in disarray, and now as a couple, they're going to actual marriage counseling now. People who are starting to train for marathons, amen? That's not me, but people who are doing those things. They had a dream, and 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 they're starting to receive the boldness and the courage to go chase it. And so if you missed last Sunday, I want to encourage you to get it on the podcast. If you did miss it, Um, then I I will summarize it for you quickly in a passage, a scripture from John chapter 10, verse 10. If you don't have it, that's okay. It's on the screen, and it goes just like this, John 10, 10. A thief is only there to steal and kill and destroy, but I came so that they can have real and eternal life. More, somebody say more, and better, somebody say better, life than they ever dreamed of, somebody say dream. Yeah, listen, the spirit of the message last Sunday was simply this. Failure is not final. There isn't anything you can fail at that God can't bounce you back from. Jesus is the ultimate illustration of that. Not even death could hold him down. Failure is not final, but here's what is settling. Settling is final. When you decide that that's it, that your life has hit the apex of its success, that your marriage has hit the apex of its joy, that Christianity has hit the apex of its fulfillment, that's when the devil begins to really sneak in and steal from us. And so uh, the the, the big message is, hey, uh, life's not over. And not only is it not over, uh, there are better things coming around the corner. Somebody say amen. Amen. And so today, though, in week two of this series, we're going to transition, and I want to answer Two of the most popular questions that I've been getting as a result of this sermon series. Now, usually I have a whole sermon series planned ahead of time, but I've heard so many people ask this question that I switched up what I was going to preach about today just to answer these two questions. Um, And the first question that I've been getting a lot is, okay, that's awesome, but what is a dream? And the reason why I've been getting that is because we have a ton of people who come to our church who are goal setters, who are intercessors, who are praying, and they say, hey, I have goals, and I have Prayers are goals and prayers, dreams. And I want to say yes, but what separates a dream from a goal and a prayer is that unlike a goal and a prayer, listen, a dream provides direction for your life. A dream provides direction for your life. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18 says this, when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Now, the word can't see there in the Hebrew actually means when people have no vision. When people cannot dream, they stumble all over themselves. And the word stumble actually means they don't know where they're going. Now, if you've ever been in a situation where you didn't know where you were going, you can identify with the frustration 
that the, the person in Proverbs is, is writing about. Has anybody ever been in a situation where you just didn't know where to go and it kind of messed you up? And I would say about a year ago or so, my family and I were visiting the Magic Kingdom, and I don't know why, but I told, her, I told Liz, I said, hey, if we get separated, let's go back to the place where we last saw each other. And so, you know, she said yes, but apparently she didn't hear me. Because she's got the stroller, and she's rolling along, and she's asking me to get some fast passes. For, so I have the Disney app on the phone, and I don't have the app on my phone, though. The app is on her phone. So I got my phone in my pocket. I get her phone to look at the Disney app, and I'm on the Disney app, and I'm trying to get the ride, and I stop moving. And I'm looking for the Disney ride, and I finally find the Disney ride. I make our reservations, and when I look up, she is gone. Now, I don't know who's worse, the husband who, who was so focused on the, the cell phone that, she lost, that he lost, his, or the wife who went walking for 20 minutes without realizing that her husband was not with her. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not pointing any figures or judging anybody. I'm just saying you would think you would look around a little bit or have a conversation with somebody. They weren't there for 20 minutes. And so I look up, and she's gone. And I, and I go, well, you know, she remembered to come back. to the, So I, I wait at the castle. Five minutes pass by. Nobody's at the castle. Ten minutes pass by. Nobody's at the castle. Fifteen minutes pass by. Nobody's at the castle. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to just have to go get her then. Now I feel like Liam Nielsen from Taken. I'm like, I am going to find this person. I'm going to rescue her. I have a particular set of skills, and I'm going to use them because I've got her phone. I can't call her. And I got my phone. And so now I start going on a hunt, but what's, what's messing with me is every step that I'm taking, because Disney's so big, I don't know that if it's a step that's getting closer to her or further away. And I think there's so many people in this room today who can identify. You're struggling with fear. I was afraid. You're struggling with anxiety. I was anxious. You're struggling with depression. I was depressed. I didn't know what was going to happen, and you're wondering why. And I think one of the reasons is because you've yet to receive a clear vision and dream and direction for your life, so you get up in the morning and you ask yourself, why? Where am I going? And as you get up to work, you're asking yourself, is this job one step in the right direction or the, word, or the wrong direction? I'm not sure. You go out on a date with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you say, is this relationship one step in the right direction or the wrong direction? I'm not sure. You're a stay-at-home mom, and you're feeding your kids, and you're taking care, and you're thinking, is this what I'm doing right now, a step in the right direction or a wrong direction? I'm not sure. And, I, and what I, what I want to do for you today is I want to I provide for you a vision, a dream, because when you don't know those things, that explains the hurricane of emotions inside of your heart. But when you do have a clear picture of the end, then every step you take, every morning you wake, is a step of purpose, is a step of destiny, is a step that matters. And that's what I want to give you. I want to give you a life that matters so that you can wake up in the morning with purpose again. Because it's the opposite, right? When you can see the end, you can get through anything, right? Nobody likes classwork. But we go through classwork, why? Because we can see the career. Nobody likes a budget. Nobody. If you like a budget, you're weird. Nobody likes budgets. We do it. Why? Because we can see the Bahamas. Come on, somebody. We can see the Coco Locos. You know what I'm saying? And we can see the cruise. And, and we can see and we go, I can't get there if I don't have the budget. And, and, the, and the, nobody likes being pregnant. Shut up. Nobody. We like babies. They're cute, but we don't like being pregnant, but, but you go through the pregnancy. Why? Because you can see the baby. Nobody likes getting up at 5 in the morning to pray, but you know who'll do that? A parent whose 20-year-old son or daughter is not serving the Lord right now, but in that parent's mind, they've got a vision of that person serving God, and so they get up on their knees every morning and say, Dear Jesus, in your name, bring my son or daughter back to Christ, and they do it. You know why? Because they can see it. 
And it's what drives them. Getting up in the morning to come to church on a Sunday on one of your days that you have off, you don't do that unless you have a vision for what your life can be with Christ in the mix. When you have a vision, you can get through the process. So I tell people, people say, man, life is hard. Well, I, and I can't wait. They always say, and I can't wait for this part to be over because then it gets better. No, spoiler alert. Life gets harder. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm talking to all the middle schoolers right now who are freaking out about chemistry. Please. I'm talking to all the college people who are like, oh, man, managing a part-time job and getting my grades up. That's hard. You don't have children. Please. This thing gets harder. Well, what do I do? What's the solution? Find a purpose that outweighs the problem. Find a dream that is greater than this thing that you're going through right now so that you can get through it. So that's the first thing I want to do for you today. I want to help you do that, okay? The second thing I want to do for you today is, because the second question I got asked a lot is, that's awesome. I, I want a dream. That's great. Yeah, I need a dream for my life. This is what they've been asking me. But what if you can't see anything? And at first I was back, I was sad because I was like, oh, man, my job as a pastor is not to discourage people. And, and I'm talking to people, even in my small group, who were like, yeah, what if you don't have a dream? Because you were preaching, and I was like, dang, I don't have a dream. And, I, and, I, and at first I was a little sad, but then I was happy because, you know what, that's what coming to church is about. It's about being challenged. It's about being challenged. And so I want to help you see today. I want to help you recover. Or maybe you know where you want to go, but you're not sure on the next step, okay? I want to help you see and provide direction. And here's how we're going to do that today. We're going to do that by exploring uh, a prophet by the name of Habakkuk. And, and let me tell you before I do this, I don't mind if you don't have a dream right now, if you don't have something that's guiding your life, if you don't have a vision, if, 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 here's my big if, if you at least believe and know that God has one for you. That's fine. Here's what Acts chapter 2 verse 17 says. Catch this. Acts chapter 2 verse 17 and in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Somebody say all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. I need you to know that you are not the exception. It says all flesh. Look what it says. It says your sons and your daughters. That's significant because the Bible was written in a historically patriarchal society which means that a lot of times it would just typically the pronoun that would be used is men. But, but by saying that, it really meant all humanity. But here the author goes out of the way to say sons and daughters. Why? Because your gender is not an excuse to not have a dream. I don't care if you're a man or a woman, God's got a dream for you. And then, and then and it's so smart what the, what the prophet says here because then he goes, and it doesn't matter if you're a young man because there are a lot of people who are young here today who are saying, you know what, maybe I don't have enough experience or I'm too young to have a dream. And God's saying, no, you're not too young. It doesn't matter if you don't have any experience. That's, that's what a dream's about, doing something you've never thought possible. Maybe there's some people who say, I'm too old. Love what he says. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter your level of education, master's degree, bachelor's degree, associate's degree, no degree, high school degree, GED, whatever you got and whatever you don't got. It doesn't impact the dream that God has for you. Not your social status, not your economic status, not your racial status, not nothing. God's got a dream for you. Okay, so let me help you see it. And I'm going to help you see it by exploring the life of a man named Habakkuk. We're going to read from the book of Habakkuk. We're going to start in chapter 2. Let me give you some background. Habakkuk was a prophet. Interesting side note, prophets had another name in the Old Testament. Did you know what it was? Seers. 
they were trained in seeing the thing that God had for their life and their nation. And Habakkuk is in a bit of a bind because right now his nation is under attack. His nation is falling to pieces, and he doesn't know what to do. He understands that the Jews at the time are being persecuted because they've abandoned God. But what he can't understand is why God is using the Babylonians, who are worse than the Jews, to, to, to exercise judgment on them. He's like, God, I get it. We're bad. But why are you using people who are worse than us to condemn us? Help me understand that. I can't get my mind around that. And so he, gets, he begins to pray, and he does four things, all right? And these are the four things you need to do. He does four things to get a vision for his nation. And I just want to pause here and say we need somebody to get a vision for our nation, somebody to get a vision for our country, somebody to get a vision for politics, somebody to get a vision for the government sector, somebody. He needs a vision for his nation, and honestly, he needs a vision for his life. He doesn't know what to look at. He doesn't know what he's seeing. And so he does these four things. If you're taking notes, we're going to start here, okay? Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. Here's what he says. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post. Here's the first thing if you're taking notes. We need to withdraw. Withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. The first thing Habakkuk said was, I climbed up to my watchtower and waited at my guard post. Why withdrawing? Why climbing up? Because he's saying it's too much right now. I can't see what God wants to do because there's too much stress on the ground level. I can't see what God wants to do in my life because there's too much pain, too many problems, too many issues. And i got to put some distance between. How many people know that in, sometimes in order for you to get a good view of your life, you have to put some distance between you and your life? We do that naturally. That's why we go on vacation. To get some distance from our life. Recently, Liz and I went on a, a little staycation. This past Wednesday, we celebrated nine years of marriage. It was our wedding anniversary, October 25th. Thank you. Thank you. We, we stood at the Gaylord Palms, and we had about a day, and it was awesome, and it was so much fun. And it was crazy what happened when I put some distance between me and my life. I actually started to appreciate the very same things that were stressing me out on the ground level, specifically my children. Listen, guys, I work from home, and so I see them. All the time. I wake up with my kids. I, I go to bed with my kids. When you work at home, if your kids need something from you, do you think they care if you're in the bathroom? Do you think they care if you're in the shower? No, they do not. Everywhere I go, there are little people following me. And I'm just saying, it can be a lot. And when you're on the ground level, it seems stressful. But man, I was in vacation for four hours. We went to uh, uh, Epcot. And we were on the Frozen ride, which finally we got, we got on. And we got on the Frozen ride. And we're there. And if you go to Disney, you know how hard that is. And so we're there. And, and, in, and just four hours into Disney, I'm like, man, I wish the kids were here. They would love this ride so much. It'd be awesome. Why? Because things look differently from a distance. There are things in your life that look one way at the ground level but look another way when you get up there. And so Jesus, on the week that he was about to be turned over, he starts with the Passover dinner, and he says, this is my body that is broken. He's like, ooh, broken, that hurts. 
This is my, my blood that's going to be poured. He pours wine. Ooh, that's going to hurt. Guys, I can't take him out. Let's go for a walk. He goes for a walk, but he ends up walking through the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means the Garden of Oil Pressing. And so he's looking at the olives, and he's like, that's going to be my body. My body's going to be pressed. Guys, I'm sorry. I know I wanted to go for a walk, but I need to get away. And if you go to John chapter 15, that's what he does. He says, you go over there. I got to go over here. And he withdraws. He gets away. Why? Because he can't handle it right now. It's too close to the ground level. There's too much pressure. There's too much pain. There's too much hurt coming. And he gets up. And you know what? When he gets up, he finds whatever it is he needs up here that he couldn't get down there. Because it looked like, listen, it looked like suffering from down there. But from up here, suffering looked like salvation. And so down there, he's like, man, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. But up here, he's like, wait a minute. He sees you and me. And he goes, I got to do this. I got to do this. I had to get away for a second to see it, but I got to do it. We got the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul literally gets his eye blinded. He used to be a murderer of Christians. He gets his eyes blinded, and then he meets this man named Ananias, and God gives a word for Ananias. He says, Ananias, put your hand on Paul's eyes. He's going to see again, but I want you to give him a word. Tell him this. Tell him, he's going to be my light unto the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Everyone who's not Jewish. They're all going to hear about me through him. And Paul's like, yeah, that's awesome. God's going to use me. And the very next line that Ananias gives him goes, and you will really know what persecution is now. You've been persecuting my church for 30 years. You're about to know what persecution is now. And so he's got, you know, I'm going to change the world on one hand, and I'm going to be persecuted like nobody's ever been persecuted before on the other hand. And so down here, and this is what he does. You know what the Bible says? In 1 Corinthians, he tells us this. He says, so I went into Arabia for three years. He went into the desert, withdrew. For three years, why? Because it was too much on the ground level. And what happened? What looked like opposition down there, he starts thinking, the whole world's going to know? You mean God's going to, you mean what I'm going through right now is going to help all these people know you? Oh, this is an opposition. This is opportunity. Why? Because what looked like opposition from down there ends up being opportunity up here. You got John, John the Beloved, who is starting to preach the gospel so much that the, that the government tries to kill him, and so they try to boil him alive. But they boil him alive, and they, he still lives. And they go, man, we can't kill this guy. And so we're going to exile him to the island of Patmos. So they exile him to the island of Patmos. But guess what happens when he's on the island of Patmos? They messed up. Why? Because they forced him to withdraw. And so he's afraid of the tribulation. He's afraid that the church is going to collapse. But guess what happens when he's out there? He gets the book of Revelation given to him. And what is the book of Revelations? Let me summarize it for you. In the end of days, we win. What am I trying to tell you? What looks like tribulation from down there ends up looking like triumph from up here. Tell somebody it looks different from up here. Come on, tell somebody it looks different from up here. What looks like a setback down there looks like a setup from up here. What looks like a trial from down there looks like a testimony from up here. What instills fear down there builds faith up here. I know I probably shouldn't say it because it's controversial, but I'll say it if it means it will stick with you. Some of you guys need to learn to get high. Get high above your struggle. Get high above the hustle and bustle. Get high above your issues. Get high above the persecution. Get high above the opposition. Get high above the pain. Get high above the fear. Get high above the doubt. Get high above the spirit of comparison. Get high above the, the anxiety. Get high above the struggle. Because when you get high, I'm telling you, I do mean withdrawal, by the way. It just looks different from up here. It looks different. And so you need to put some distance between you and your life so you can see what it actually is. So what does withdrawing look like? Well, for some people, withdrawing looks like Sunday. 
That's why you got to come to church every Sunday. It's your one chance that you can withdraw. For some people, withdrawal looks like Monday morning. Uh, I'm sorry, it looks like morning prayer, getting up early in the morning to get some time between you and your life. For some people, withdrawing looks like a missions trip. By the way, we asked people to sign up for more information for missions. Last Sunday, we had a missions expo. If you missed it, 104 people signed up for more information on a missions trip. Praise the Lord. You know how withdrawal might look like for some of you guys? It's awesome. Did you guys get the new iPhone update? It's crazy. It's so cool. It's got this new feature. Dope. It's this button right here. If you hold it. Hold on. There we go. Yeah, if you hold it. It's called an off button. It was powerful. Some of you guys just need to do that. So you can stop getting the Twitter notifications and the Instagram notifications and the email notification and the notification of the notification so you can put some distance between you and your life. We need to withdraw, get away, so that we can see our life the way God wants us to because it looks different from up here. Come on. Tell somebody, get high (laughs) with the most high. (laughs) With the most high. And let me tell you, you got to be careful because when you withdraw, let me just tell you, when you withdraw, there are withdrawals. I said, when you withdraw, there are withdrawals. That's why Habakkuk said in Habakkuk chapter 2, let's go chapter 2, verse 2. He said, he said the first thing, he said, I, I, the first thing I did was I went up into my, my, my tower. And then the second thing I did was there I will wait to see what the Lord says. If you're taking notes, number two is wait. Ooh, Wait. Ooh, wait. I am believing that we are being culturally engineered to be impatient. I really believe it. I mean, and I, I think it started with the Industrial Revolution. I think before we had factories, the only way you had food was through a farm. And let me tell you, there's nothing you can do to speed up a strawberry being born. You got to wait, bro. You plant that seed, there was nothing to speed. There was no microwave. There was no Amazon now. No one-click fruit delivery. You waited. But now we live in a culture where everything is instant, and now we can't wait. And now we climb, and we're like, Lord, here I am. Tell me the plan for my life. Okay. So not nothing? All right. But we got to wait. We got to learn to wait and be okay waiting. Acts chapter 2, the, um, the, the disciples, Jesus tells the disciples, he goes, hey, I got, I got the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's going to come on you. It's going to empower you. But here's what you need to do. I need you to go into Jerusalem, and I need you to. And guess what they did? They went to a room. Was it a lower room, or was it an upper room? Ooh. It got high. They went to the upper room. They withdrawed. And when they were there, they waited. You know how long they waited? Ten days. I can imagine how much they were freaking out, right? Like day one. Nothing happened. What should we do? I don't know. He said, wait. Okay. Day two, what should we do? I don't know. He said, wait. Hey, he resurrected on the third day. So I'm pretty sure this Holy Spirit that he's talking about is going to come on the third day. Third day comes, nothing. Fourth day comes, nothing. Fifth day comes, nothing. Sixth day comes, nothing. Seventh day comes, nothing. Eighth day comes, nothing. Ninth day, let me tell you, here's what I've learned. It takes some courage to climb, but it takes even more courage to camp. And wait for what God has to tell you and your life. Wait, man, wait. It's coming, wait. 
You know what my son, you know what Zane's doing now? I think he can start to feel that it's getting cold. So he comes up to me. He's doing this like every morning now. He's like, Dad. I'm like, yeah. He's like, guess what tomorrow is? I'm like, what? He's like, Christmas. And every morning I tell him, no. But every morning he wakes up, Dad. What? Guess what tomorrow is? What? I'm like, Christmas. And a part of me wants to commend him because I'm like, boy, you got faith. You don't have it, but you can see it. Come on. And, he, and I, think he, I think he thinks that if he wants it bad enough, it's going to happen. But you know what? His desire does not alter God's December. Sorry, buddy. Christmas is December 25th. What? December 25th. But I want it. December 25th. The day is set. You just got to wait now. And I tell him, I, tell him I, go, I, go, I go, listen, that's the bad news. He said, well, what's the good news? I said, the good news is it's coming. It's coming. See, the day of Pentecost was already set. The disciples didn't know when they were waiting, but God knew it. I want you to know that the date for your answer, that the date for your breakthrough, that the date for your healing, that the date for your blessing, it's already set. You just got to wait. And I got good news. It might not be here now, but it is coming. It's coming. Somebody's been waiting, and I want you to know that it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming, and so, and so here's, here's, what I, here's what I want you to know. Listen, and you, and you can repeat after me. If God's got the date, I can wait. That just frees somebody. If God's got the date, then I can wait. Hear me. Hurry is the enemy of your answer. Hurry is the enemy of your answer. Don't leave. Wait for God to give you the word, okay? Wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. And, and, and the word is coming, by the way, which is number three. You got to listen. And someone say, well, I didn't hear the word. Yes, you did. The word came. You were here, and the word came. Where was it? Oh, it didn't look like you thought it would look, but it came. It came when you, number three, when you read God's word. The word already came, man. You know, I didn't wear glasses my whole life. I actually didn't wear glasses until my mid-20s. My wife was convinced that I needed them, and I was convinced that she had superhuman vision. In hindsight, I should have realized I had an issue because we would always be hanging out, and she'd be like, you see that? And I'm like, no. And she's like, you need glasses? And I'm like, no, you're a superhero. You have powers. I'm going to call you eagle eyes. You, you could. I should have known because every time I would play Madden on the PlayStation, my friends would always be sitting on the couch, but I would be like, I would be like right here for years. That was me. I'd be like, yeah, sucker. I'm intense when I play. Like just right up here. And so I went there. I went there, and, and the guy starts putting me a thing. He starts giving me a test, and I'm starting to see the world in a brand new way. And I'm like, I'm like and, and I'm not going to preach this point, but I'm going to just say it. He starts doing and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like a whole new world, you know? And I'm like, Doc, how come I never realized that before? He's like, oh, what happens is, and this is normal, he goes, you learn to live with it. I'm not even going to into that. But let me just say there are a lot of people who have abandoned the dream in their life because they've learned to live dreamless lives. And so even as I'm preaching, you're like, I'm good. I see fine. But there's nothing about life that excites you anymore. Nothing about, but I'm not even going to get there. Here's the point I want to make. When he tested me, listen, when he tested me, he gave me a vision test. Guess what that looks like? 
huh, interesting. He's like, what do you see? I'm like, uh, a bear. Is that a bear? Is that some type of wild animal, and he's moving. <laughs> Sir, you need glasses. <laughs> this is the test. And I, I flunked this test so bad that he asks me, he goes, Sir, do you have somebody to drive you home today? I'm like, I'm like yeah, my wife's in the, in the lobby. He's like, good, because I don't know that I could legally let you leave here if you don't have somebody who could take you home. And, and I, thought, I thought, wow, wasn't it interesting? He wouldn't trust me with a vehicle. Listen to me. God's got a dream for your life, and it is a vehicle. It's going to get you there. But if, he doesn't know, if, if, if God doesn't know if he can trust you with it, he's not going to give it to you. What am I trying to say? It was the prescription, and it was the lens that corrected my vision. But listen, it was the letter that tested my vision. Let me bring it all 360 for you. God's got a vision test for you with a couple letters on it. Oh, yeah. And we're all like, God, give me the plan for my life. He's like, are you doing John 3.16 yet? God, give me the vision for my life. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got a dream for you. But first, you know that verse where I said, love your neighbor as you love yourself? Yeah. He goes, well, you just cut that dude off in traffic, so I'm just saying, before I, I talk about... Before I talk about the destiny for your life, how about you slow down? You know what I'm saying? Because if I can't, I got to test you with this before I can trust you with this. Write this down. Stop, stop looking, stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. God has got a verse for your life. He's got the scripture. He's got the vision test right here. And when you can show God that you're faithful with doing what he's written, then he'll trust you with what he shows you. Why can't I see what God's showing me? Because you're having trouble following the written word, man. If you can't follow the written word, it's going to get harder. It's going to get harder. That's what David did, by the way. He followed the written word, and it took him right to his destiny. God told him, he said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. He said, wow, that's cool. How's it going to happen? Samuel never gave him the instruction. All he gave him was the, was the scripture. And so one day, David is out picking up sheep poop. And his father comes up to him, the father who, who doesn't believe in him, the father who thinks that the dream was a mistake. And he says, I need you to bring bread to your brothers who are on the battlefield. They're in some fight right now, fighting somebody. I don't know what his name is. It starts with a G or something like that. And I want you to bring bread. And David could have looked at him and said, I'm a king. Don't be talking about no bringing bread. And he said, no, no, just bring that. And in his mind, he had the Ten Commandments, honor your father and your mother. And so he goes, you know what? You don't like me? That's cool, but the Bible says honor you, so I'm going to go. And he gets to the battlefield, and guess who's waiting there? Goliath. Who's Goliath? His destiny, his dream. But what took him there? The word. Follow this, and God will make the rest clear. All right? That's number three. Number four, Habakkuk, chapter three. I'm sorry, chapter two, next verse. Write my answer plainly on the tablets. Here's the next thing you need to do. Write it down. The dream that God gives you, I can't talk to you enough about how important it is to write it down. Write it down. Why? For two reasons. One, it'll double your chances that it'll actually happen. And that's not Bible speaking. I'm taking a break from the Bible for just a second to talk to you about what science has said. I'm going to read to you an email that my wife sent me. Uh, listen, to this. this is from a Dr. Gail Matthews. Dr. Gail Matthews, a psychology professor at the Dominican University of California, recently studied the art and science of goal and dream setting. You don't want to catch this. She gathered 267 people, men and women from all over the world and from all walks of life, including entrepreneurs, educators, healthcare professionals, artists, lawyers, and bankers. 
She divided the participants into groups according to who wrote down their goals, who wrote down their dreams, and who didn't. And she discovered that those who wrote down their dreams on a regular basis, listen to this, were 42% more likely to achieve their dreams. 42% more likely to achieve their dreams. That's why when you walked in, you were handed an IC card. If you got that, just wave it at me. If you weren't, we've got them in the lobby. You can grab them. Wave it. Yeah, higher, higher. There we go. IC cards. If you weren't given one, then, then they're in the lobby. Here's what I want you to do at the end of this worship experience. You're going to have a chance to do it out there. You can do it in here. You're going to have a moment of prayer. I believe in God's going to instill some things in you. He's going to show you some things. In that moment, I want you to write whatever it is God shows you down that dream. It can be a, a dream to change the world. It can be a dream that your son or daughter comes back to Christ. It can be a dream that, of a business. It can be a dream if you have a business of starting a franchise. It can be a bit, whatever it is. I want you to write that down. You're going to put that up, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for that. Our prayer team is going to pray for your dream every Sunday. That dream is going to be on there for the, for the remainder of this sermon series. And every week, if God gives you more, you can add on to it. However, here's the second reason why I want you to write it down. Because you need a record of God's faithfulness in your life. I don't just write down my dreams. I journal. My diary. Journal. I journal. Here's why I journal. And I write down my prayers and I write down my dreams. Because I want to look back and say, wow, the thing I was freaking out about, look what God did. The thing that I was believing, look what God did. I cannot wait to hear the recordings of these sermons 10 years from now. When we talk about thousands of people calling Journey Church home, and we talk about sending thousands of students out on the missions field, and we talk about giving away a million dollars, and 10 years from now, we'll be listening to this tape thinking, wow, and I won't get the credit. Who's going to get the credit? God's going to get the credit because he called it before it ever happened. You want to write it down so you can show somebody, look what God told me, and it came to pass. Amen? Amen. Those four things are what I want you to do. But let me end on this. What happens if after you do those four things, you still hear nothing? You still see nothing. You close your eyes and it's silent. You, you close your eyes and it's dark. You still got no... Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to read a quick passage of scripture. Great story. Mark chapter 8, verse 23 to 26. It's short. So you can watch on the screen with me. And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man. He can't see. Got no vision. Got no dream. And begged Jesus to touch him. And so Jesus took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes, that's just because God's not going to do it. He said, lay your hands on me. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to spit on you. Why? Because God's going to make the dream come to pass. But listen, he's not going to do it in the way that you expect. Spit in his eyes and laid hands on him. He asked him, oh, I love this question. What do you see somebody say now? Now. And he looked up, and he said, I see men, but they look like trees walking. So his vision is healed, but only healed halfway. He's still blurry. And Jesus laid his hands on him again, and he said, and opened his eyes, and his sight was fully restored, and he saw everything clearly. Here's the mystery. Was it Jesus just operating at like 50%? Was that why? The man saw unclearly. Maybe like he didn't say amen at the end of his prayer, and like the healing only went like halfway. I just wonder what happened. Was it the man who only maybe only had half a faith? I, I doubt that. I don't think Jesus ever does anything halfway unless he has a purpose or a reason. And here's what I believe the purpose and the reason for doing that miracle. To show you and I, listen, that sometimes vision is released in stages. 
So sometimes God shows you something, and it's not the whole picture. It's not the clear picture. It's a blurry picture. But don't say you don't see nothing because you do see something. And so this is God's word over your life. Look up. What do you see now? Well, my marriage is in shambles. I can't see God restoring my marriage. Okay, but what do you see now? Well, I see my husband. He hasn't left yet. Well, if that's what you see now, then do something with what you see now. Because God's getting ready to do something with what you see now. What do you see now? I don't know. What do you see? I don't know. I don't know what God has for me. I just work at McDonald's. Okay, well, what do you see now? Well, I see 20 coworkers that work with me. Hmm. 20 coworkers? I bet 20 coworkers look like 20 coworkers from down here. But from up here, have you ever noticed how all those 20 coworkers keep coming to you and sharing their problems? You're just trying to flip burgers in peace? They keep coming to you talking about their relationship issues and their, their drug issues and their depression issues. You're like, oh my God, why do people keep bothering me? Get higher. It looks like 20 coworkers from down there, but from up here, it looks like a mission field. Ooh, what do you see now? I'm a stay-at-home mom. I, I don't know what the vision from my life is. What do you see now? Diapers and babies from down here, but get up there. What do you see now? Ooh, from up here, future world changers. That's right. Come on. Come on. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see now? I see now. What? I don't know. I don't got much. I, I see an unemployment check. An unemployment check from down here. But get up here. What do you see now? I see an opportunity to start the business I've always wanted to. I see an opportunity to volunteer at church more. I see the opportunity to start a small group. What do you see now? I don't have the whole picture. That's okay. You don't need the whole picture. God's not asking you for the whole picture. He's asking you for what do you see now? I see retirement now, and I think my best years are behind me. Are you kidding me? From down here, it looks like retirement. From down here, it looks like old age. But from up here, you know what this is? This is wisdom. This is experience. These are the things that God is birthing inside of you so that you can help raise up a generation who loves God and who follows God. And maybe you can be like our friend Todd, who started a small group for young men called the Do-Over to help young people find purpose in their life. His mission statement of his group is this. I want other people to now make the stupid mistakes I made. And I got a friend, a best friend, whose life has absolutely been turned upside down through that small group right now. That's what happens when somebody looks at their disadvantage from up here as an advantage and what God's doing in your life. From down here, this looks like a high school. Got gum in the bathrooms and stains on the carpet and hidden in the middle of a neighborhood from down here. But from up there, you know what this looks like? A church, a place that God is using to help birth dreams and give birth to world changers where people can know God and find freedom and discover purpose and make a difference. We got to get higher and see our lives and the things that God has given us from his perspective. And when we work with what we see now, we don't have to wait for the dream because the dream is here. It's what you see when you look up. What you see when you look up. What do you see when you look up? Work with that. God's going to work with that. And the clarity will come as you continue to take steps of obedience. The clarity will come. The clarity will come. I want you to hold on to that IC card if you got it. If not, just make a fist symbolically. 
You can grab it when you get outside. We got pens. We got actually a dream wall. Here's what I want you to do after God speaks to you. And I'm believing he's going to speak to you, by the way. Everybody here has something to write down. Why? Because it's what you see now. You're going to write something on that card. You're going to go out on that, on that dream wall. You're going to clip your dream to that card. We're going to pray for that. But I want every head bowed and every eye closed if we can. Hold on to that card. Hold on to that fist. I'm going to ask you a question. And I, I don't want you to answer it. I just want you to what do you see? What do you see? A marriage restored? What do you see? A diploma? What do you see? Skydiving? What do you see? What do you see? A, 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 a CrossFit enterprise? What do you see? A real estate enterprise? What do you see? A lawn business that is branching out in, 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 in different counties? What do you see? What do you see? A platinum album? What do you see? A best-selling book on the New York Times? What do you see? God wants to bring your dream. Let me pray for you right now. Father, you see these men and women, young and old, sons and daughters, and you are awakening dreams in their heart. You are awakening dreams in their life. God, I pray right now that you would give a vision. I pray right now that you'd release a vision, that you'd open up the eyes of their heart, that you'd release a vision for their life, that you'd release a vision for their marriage, that you'd release a vision for their children, a vision for their high school, a vision for their middle school, a vision for their college, a vision for their business, a vision for their, for their home, a vision for their neighborhood, a vision for their community, a vision for their brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, a vision for Central Florida, a vision for Journey Church, a vision for worship, a vision for creative a vision, Lord God, released vision right now in the wonderful and beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Just wait right there. Just wait. Wait for it. 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 Amen. Amen. I know you can see it. I know you can see it. Hey, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to make a second prayer. Maybe you're in this room today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe the dream for you starts with giving your life back to the Lord, giving your life back to Jesus. If that's you, I want to count to three. Nobody's peeking and nobody's looking. But if you're in this room today, you came for Fall Festival and you thought it was just going to be fun and games, but you're here now and you're seeing God had a bigger plan. He wanted to awaken some dreams inside of you. When I say three, I want you to shoot your right hand up to the sky as a signal saying, yeah, I need Jesus in my life because I haven't had a relationship with him in a long time. Are you ready? When I say three, shoot your right hand up if that's you. One, two, three. Three, right now, shoot your right hand up to the sky. Come on, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand, I see your hand. Church, pray this prayer with me. If you raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer. If you're sitting and you, and you haven't raised your hand, I still want you to pray this prayer with me. Everybody all together say, dear God, I see you and I see that you see me. You see the dream for my life. You have a vision for my life. And today, I submit to the dream that you have for me. I give you my life. Say it, I give you my life. Jesus Christ, take control. I want to start fresh. I want to start anew. In your name I pray. I give you my future. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen. Hey, would you give it up for the people who made a decision, seven or eight people, and would you also... 
Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to hear how this ministry is impacting your life. If you have any prayer requests or would like to share your testimony, please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. Our team will be there ready to celebrate and pray with you. If God is using this ministry to bless you in any way, you can help us spread the word by making an investment today. You can give at journeyorl.com give or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again. Have a blessed week.